Hello and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. Welcome to episode 122 on this July 6, 2023. As always, you can support this podcast by making a donation on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate. We really appreciate your support. My guest this week is Konstantinos Komaitis. He's a non-resident fellow at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensics Research Lab and a non-resident fellow and senior researcher at the Lisbon Council. We were talking about fair share. How much should streaming platforms be required to give to telecom operators or should they actually be paying nothing at all? You can listen to the entire exchange at the end of this episode. Also in this episode, today Meta is unveiling its competitor to Twitter and Germany is banning all new fossil fuel heating systems starting next year. So let's get started. Now, some people seem to be tired of using Twitter. This is because of the rocky way in which Elon Musk has been handling affairs over at Twitter. By the way, follow the Consumer Choice Center on Twitter at Consumer Choice C. Um, and some people are not entirely happy about it. And some people are flocking to uh, more right-wing networks such as Parler and Truth Social by Donald Trump or are seeking uh, other platforms such as Mastodon. And Meta, the uh, parent company of Facebook and WhatsApp, is now inserting itself into the competition. Uh, this is ABC News reporting. Facebook's parent company Meta is looking to take on Twitter in the wake of Elon Musk's rise. Takeover. The new competitor is called Threads and focuses on public conversation. The app uses your Instagram login and is set to launch on Thursday. Twitter has launched a new version of TweetDeck, which helps monitor other users' content. The previous version was free, but Twitter says the new version will only be for verified users who pay $8 a month. The change takes effect in about a month. So this story broke a couple of weeks ago by The Verge, which got a uh, closer look into the presentation that uh, Meta did for its own employees. Uh, And one of the briefs in that presentation was, quote, say more with Threads, Instagram's text-based conversation app. Threads is where communities come together to discuss everything from the topics you care about today to what will be trending tomorrow. Whatever it is you're interested in, you can follow and connect directly with your favorite creators and others who love the same things or build a loyal following of your own to share your ideas, opinions and creativity with the world. Now, some have said that Meta has been rather good at trying to copy other apps, but has not been super good at maintaining them and keeping them out there. Um, Of course, Instagram has uh, uh, been fairly successful, I think even overtaking the use of Facebook and is competing hard with the uh, Chinese company uh, ByteDance, which runs TikTok. Um, and of course, this is an interesting uh, development uh, because it's a really a direct response to the way that Twitter has been governed in the past few months. Uh, and interesting also to to think that Meta pretty much got started right away as they were seeing Twitter uh, struggling uh, with their uh, well public relations and uh, and and user base. Um, and also interesting to to see that in the ABC News story there, uh, that Twitter is also now requiring uh, people to pay for services that had previously been available for free. Uh, and uh, it's an interesting consideration to to see whether you know paying for services uh, is something that users are actually interested in. 
there are a lot of people who do pay for their verification uh, and actually did also previously. Twitter was also, uh, you know, there were mechanisms to get verified uh, if you ran it through an agency or something. So uh, so that was already existing before. Uh, but now it's interesting to see how Meta will react because Meta has always uh, upheld that most that all of their services will remain uh, free of charge, uh, and uh, that uh, through advertising they are able to to fund their projects, uh, and they seem to have been able to do so so far. Uh, we also saw recently Twitter copying. Uh, Facebook by not allowing the tweets to be available publicly anymore. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that means for embedding tweets for news sites. Uh, That is uh, definitely an interesting development. In any case, about threads, The Verge is also saying that both App Store and Google Play Store listed uh, a show of similar series of screenshots of the app showing how you can log in with your Instagram handle, find the accounts you follow on Instagram on the new app and post it uh, in an interface similar to Twitter, Mastodon, Blue Sky or any of the other text-focused social media apps. There seems to be a landing page. Uh, We are recording this before the launch. And so I honestly, I'm also not able to tell you whether that app will be available for all users uh, on different uh, uh, country, in different countries. I certainly haven't seen the announcement on my app store, which is uh, registered for uh, Luxembourg. It'll be interesting to see how successful Meta will be in trying to compete with Twitter. Next up, we have Germany banning the installation of new fossil fuel heating systems next year. We begin today's show in Germany where the government is to ban new oil and gas heating systems from the beginning of next year in a move driven by the Green Party, which is part of the ruling coalition. Now, currently, around half of all German homes are heated by natural gas and a quarter by oil. But a bill just approved by Parliament will mean that all heating systems installed from January the 1st must be at least 65% based on renewable energy. Now, the government in Germany will cover 30% of the price of installing new systems. This is amid criticism from opposition parties over the cost. And a further 10% bonus will be offered to those who switch before next year's deadline. Well, let's speak to our Europe correspondent, Adam Parson. This is a, a big win for the environmental world, but there is criticism, Adam, of this scheme. Yeah, criticism from a broad spectrum, actually, because... Opposition parties have said that it is going to cost people a lot of money. That's clearly true. And that it is going to put a, a big burden on those who, who can't really uh, afford to pay. And I have to say that opinion polls suggest that the public didn't want this. Suggestions that uh, opposition runs as high as 78%. But uh, it is coming. Uh, and the German, go- why? Well, the German government says that it wants to be uh, it wants to be running carbon neutrality, it wants to be hitting carbon zero by 2045, and says this is one of the main things it has to do. With- so the German government is definitely unlocking a lot of money here to help people with the transition, but yet a uh, 30% funding mechanism is still uh, leaving people with quite a large amount of costs. I looked this up briefly, uh, and it uh, and it does turn out that it's not cheap to installed something such as a, uh, a heating uh, a pump system. According to different German websites I've seen, it's between 40 and 50,000 euros uh, for heating pumps um, uh, or uh, water heating pumps to be installed. 
Left consumers don't have the budget to really invest in this, uh, but the German government has carved out a couple of exceptions. Uh, the 65% rule for uh, new construction um, does not apply to homeowners who are above the age of 80, and when the house is being inherited, uh, it will, uh, there will be a transition phase for two years. The opposition very upset over um, what this could mean for consumers. Uh, rising prices are already affecting Germany citizens the most. Uh, gas prices have been incredibly high and food inflation is also quite high in Germany. Um, and ultimately, it's a political statement to now ban these uh, these uh, these heating systems, which will add more costs for consumers. When the German government was definitely uh, one of the European governments that was, um, you know, at the height of supporting the Russian war machine by uh, building Nord Stream and then trying to get Nord Stream two uh, completed. The consensus for a very long time in Germany has been: we're going to buy cheap Russian gas, no matter what uh, the consequences of that policy, and we're going to try and appease the Russians. And we've seen the political consequences of that type of energy policy and now the Germans are trying to reverse course uh, in uh, uh, just as extreme of a manner uh, trying to reach uh, carbon neutrality as quick as they possibly can but the reality is of course uh, that heating uh, most of the uh, heating CO2 emissions does not come from residential homes it's definitely the industrial system and I do wonder what they really want to do uh, with a German industry polluting as much as it does uh, but also being an economic driver uh, in the country and now, last but not least, we have Konstantinos Komaitis. He's a non-resident fellow at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensics Research Lab and non-resident fellow and senior researcher at the Lisbon Council. And we talk about fair share. Uh, so, yeah, take it away. We've heard a lot in the news about a concept of fair share, and this is something that many of the listeners might not be familiar with, and I wanted to get you uh, here on the Consumer Podcast to talk about it. So before we get into uh, some of the things that you tweeted about it and the things that you think about it, for the listeners who don't know what we're on about, what is the concept of the fair share? What does it try to achieve? Well, first of all, hi, Abel, and thank you very much for having me. And I need to apologize to you and all your listeners for uh, a very awful background noise, but these are the, these are the times of, you know, when you're working from home. Um, so the fair share is uh, a term that, was, that is used currently uh, from both from the European Commission and the telecommunication uh, operators, you know, your Deutsche Telekom and Telefonica and Orange, um, to indicate that um, some big technology companies, uh, effectively Amazon and Google and Netflix, because users um, request their services so much, they need to pay those telecommunication operators a, you know, a fee, which is fair, in order to carry the traffic on their behalf. So effectively, that's what it is. It is an internet tax of sorts, right? I mean, you want to access Netflix, you need to pay me in order to carry that traffic and deliver it to you, the user, in order to be able and watch your favorite show. So I remember a time when the broadband used through your Wi-Fi router was also limited. I, I remember when you know my family got the first uh, PC. It was uh, you know don't watch too much, too many videos, don't play too many games. We're limited as to how much we can use. Most consumers don't experience that problem anymore. And uh, uh, if we if we look through the argument here, 
isn't it true that people just using their personal email inbox is a very different user level than streaming all the Netflix uh, shows in one evening? So, yes. I mean, if you look at it from, the, from that point of view, it is. But there are a couple of things that, you know, we don't realize when we're having, you know, when, when we're using the Internet and when we are requesting that content from Netflix. First of all, all this content is requested by users, right? Those companies exist because users actually want to access their content, whether it is a video from Netflix, whether it is something that you want to watch or listen on YouTube, or whether it is, you know, scrolling down your Facebook um, newsfeed and you see both video and, um, um, and audio. So it is important to understand that the traffic that is being generated is generated by users. And users do pay a fee, right? We pay our telecommunications provider, our ISP, a certain fee in order to be able and access the internet. That is the first thing. The second thing is that you're absolutely right. 20 years ago, and I'm old enough to remember the internet 20 years ago, uh, you know, when we had modem and we didn't have fiber to home and all those, uh, and all those technologies uh, that have evolved ever since. You know, using the internet to stream video was a really, really difficult and arduous exercise, both for you as a user and for everyone else involved in providing you that content. However, as the internet evolved and as, you know, especially those large um, uh, platforms realized that they were becoming very popular with users, they realized that, oh my God, we really need to contribute in order to make sure that there is not one single you know, operator carrying all this traffic. So we need to do our due diligence and contribute to the internet's infrastructure. And that's why we have things that most users do not know that data centers and content delivery networks and caches, those are things that uh, have been created within the internet's infrastructure to facilitate this traffic and to ensure that there is not one single um, actor within the internet ecosystem that is responsible for all this traffic. So currently, for instance, you know, and we see it also during COVID, right? Remember, everybody was home watching and streaming Netflix and doing a bunch of different other things, right? And the internet did not collapse and the telecommunication sector did not collapse and everybody was able to actually live a pretty normal life considering what we were going through. This is because the internet infrastructure has evolved to the extent that right now we have a lot of actors providing different services and contributing, you know, the, uh, contributing to the way the content is delivered um, you know, in a fast and efficient way, reliably, and, you know, which makes the internet more resilient. And what are telecom operators exactly asking for here? Have they, have they provided sort of like what the rate of that tax would be and also what they would be planning to do with the money generated from this tax? Well, they just want a payout, effectively. And, you know, this is, this is what it comes down to. They really want to get into negotiations with um, a handful of content providers. So um, most probably it will be uh, the Googles and the Amazons of this world. We still do not have any um, clear picture as to who is going to be part of these negotiations uh, and get direct payments. Uh, and 
you know, they, they, they base this a lot in what publishers managed to strike a deal. If you remember, you know, both in Australia and in Europe and currently in Canada, there is this um, uh, deals that are being stricken between publishers and um, uh, some platforms like Google and Facebook. Uh, so they want a direct payment. And I know that for sure because when they were pressed, telecommunications operators, they actually said, we are not interested in, for instance, creating a fund or using one of the existing funds. We have a universal service funds which are in place to ensure that telecommunication providers continue to invest on infrastructure. And when, you know, there was even the idea of perhaps, you know, uh, content platforms contributing to this fund, they actually said, no, we just want the money. So this is all about the money. It's all about the money. And who do you think would end up paying for this? Because I have a bit of a fear that if there were such a tax being imposed that the costs might be actually relegated to the consumer ultimately um, of, those, of those streaming platforms, wouldn't it? There's no question about that. Uh, there is no question there is going to be um, a domino effect of many, many things that will happen if this actually uh, materializes. First of all, the consumer. We already know um, uh, from South Korea, because South Korea is the only country that has sort of implemented some, uh, a, a, a similar scheme, that consumers ended up paying more, and also the quality has degraded a lot. So there you have your consumers, and also the, you know, the, the consumer organizations within Europe have raised the alarm bell and have said this is potentially detrimental for the consumers. So this, that's your first one. The second one is your startup ecosystem, right? If you're a startup in Europe, why on earth would you want to be big if you end up paying, you know, Deutsche Telekom or Orange or Telefonica. Why would you want to, be, to innovate, to continue to innovate and invest in becoming, you know, a unicorn even um, for Europe, which, by the way, we are lacking many, many um, unicorns. So why would you become a unicorn if you are beholden to a bunch of telecommunications providers? And then also there is the internet itself. And this is something that we don't often talk about, unfortunately, but the internet will materially change. Um, one of the things about the internet is that the way traffic flows is based on this thing called interconnection. And essentially is, you know, I have a network, let's say Google, and then Deutsche Telekom has a network, and both of them, you know, they want to exchange traffic because there is a benefit of exchanging traffic, right? I mean, Deutsche Telekom wants the traffic because users want it, and Google wants to send the traffic because actually users request it. So they enter in what is called peering agreements, and those are voluntary agreements, those are agreements based on trust, on how to exchange traffic. All this will be broken down and it will, you know, if you break the trust that has been created, effectively, if you break those agreements, effectively, you are also breaking the trust. And if you break the trust, effectively, you're breaking the internet. And this is not an exaggeration, Bill. The internet will materially change if you create those regulatory, um, if you create a regulatory intervention in a market that works perfectly fine without regulatory intervention. Um, and on top, you will disincentivize the Googles and, and the Netflixes and the Amazons of this world to continue to invest in infrastructure and you know, build those CDNs and build those data centers that ensure that 
content gets delivered in a more efficient and fast way. And we don't really have the, co the commitment or the confirmation from telecom operators that they will replace them, right? And they will actually invest in CDNs and all that stuff. So I think that we will be entering a very unfamiliar uh, and dangerous territory uh, and potentially uh, with results that are potentially irreversible. And in which markets, in which jurisdictions have telecom operators lobbied uh, for this proposal and what has the response been so far from policymakers? So, first of all, I'll take you back to 2012. In 2012, ETNO, and that is the European Telecommunications Network Operators Association, is essentially, you know, the lobby group for telcos, uh, brought a very, very similar uh, proposal uh, before the ITU, that is the International Telecommunications Union, and it's holding, it's hosting a conference every four years, and they found an opening to say, oh my God, here we are, you know, the internet is changing, we are seeing those services popping up, and we believe that we need to get some sort of a money. In parentheses, this really is not novel, this idea of, you know, being paying telecommunication providers is how the telephone system works, right? These, these are the termination monopolies that we had prior to the internet. So in 2012, the, the idea was rejected. It was even rejected by the European member states. It was rejected internationally. It didn't pass, and we put it to bed. Fast forward now to 2023. We are still here because of a bunch of different reasons. First of all, uh, as you may well know and have experienced in Europe, there is this huge anti-big tech sentiment, right? And legitimately so in some cases, right? When it comes to competition and content moderation and the things that are happening within these platforms, you know, everybody would feel a little bit uneasy with the power that these platforms are having and the global footprint that they're able to uh, leave. Having said that, this is one of those cases where, you know, if you piggyback on this anti-big sentiment, you are actually creating problems for everybody else, including, of course, uh, big tech. That's the first thing. The second thing is that there is a commission that is much more favorable in listening to the demands of telcos. Um, Commissioner uh, Breton, who is the Commissioner for the Internal Market, and he's responsible for this file, used to be a CEO of a telecoms, Orange, uh, and he's very much open to listening to those concerns, um, to the point that it's becoming actually, you know, a little bit embarrassing, because it is so obvious that, you know, uh, we need to give them what we want. Um, and because this is happening in Europe, we are now seeing this, um, th this sort of effect taking a life of its own around the world. So, India, Vietnam, Brazil, the Caribbean, they all have reopened conversations about this. And the argument that is being used is that if Europe does it, which is literally the biggest single market, in the world, you know, comprising of different countries, and also the third largest trading partner in the world, then we should do it as well. So currently, you know, we are having these conversations around the world, and it is becoming pretty 
um, problematic because the response will also be very different. What I mean, if this thing goes through in Europe, most probably Google and Facebook and Amazon will negotiate some sort of a deal uh, because they don't want to leave the European market. It is a huge market for them. But if you're in the Caribbean, they will leave, right? That is not a big and hugely profitable market for them. And we see that happening in the context of publishers in Canada. Canada just enacted a law that really obliges you know, those big platforms to pay money to the publishers. And Google and Facebook said, no, we, we are living. We, we are not linking anymore to news. Now, 60% of the Canadian population is consuming news via those platforms. So you see the adverse effect, right, that is being created. And that's why we need to have a very focused and informed conversation. Of course, we need to discuss infrastructure. Of course, we need to make sure that everybody is connected to the internet. There is no question about that. And of course, we need to identify ways that peop you know, different actors contribute or should contribute. But you cannot do that if you are creating a policy that is premised on the idea that suddenly telecommun access networks, that is your telecom providers, are more important than any other network on the internet. That's not how the internet works. In the internet, there is not one single network that gets priority or is more important than another. And by creating that, you're effectively changing this, the topology of the internet. And that is very dangerous and a very big gamble. We're almost out of time here, and there's one more thing I wanted to ask you briefly. Sort of, where are we on the timeline? When might there be a new momentum? Are we talking this year or next year? Um, do you think it's likely that the Commission at one point will make a proposal? So, very quickly, we just had a, a, a consultation. Uh, the consultation closed, I cannot really remember the exact day, but it was in June, and currently, you know, the, the uh, actually it was in May, um, and currently the, uh, the results are being um, sort of analyzed. Um, however, there are rumors, and I was just reading an article um, uh, this morning, that uh, there is going to be some sort of legislation. Uh, remember that we are having a new commission coming in, in, you know, and we're having also the European Parliament elections. So there is a semester that everybody's going to go out and campaign. So, you know, according to what I was reading today, there will be legislation that will be dropped uh, sometime in October. So essentially, you make the cut, you know, the cut before the Parliament then goes on and does what it does. So the new Commission most probably will take it. But this is now up to the Parliament. And the last thing that I will say is that a couple of weeks ago, there was a meeting, a, council, a technical council meeting of the telecommunications ministers. And we're already seeing countries expressing, um, well, asking questions and expressing concerns about this proposal. Austria, the Netherlands, um, Finland, Estonia, Belgium, um, they're very much against this. Germany is against this. And Germany has Deutsche Telekom, remember. But you have France, and you have Spain, and you have Italy, and then some of the countries where, you know, some of these operators are holding really a lot of power within the local markets, like Greece, for instance, uh, where they're in favor of this. So we're also seeing that this is going to be quite of a battle, even within uh, the parliament. Uh, interesting alliances forming there. Konstantinos Komaitis, where can people find out more uh, about your views on fair share and 
people can find you on those uh, evil social media platforms that should contribute more? Uh, where, where can people find that? Well, I'm on Twitter, not very active these days because, well, it's Twitter these days, but <laughs> my handle is Keiko Maitis. Uh, and also they can find uh, some of my writings through my personal website, which is uh, org. And then a simple Google search most probably will give them also some of the uh, results. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining the Consumer Podcast and giving us all these explanations. Thank you so very much, Bill, for having me. And that concludes this week's episode of Consumer. You can follow Consumer Choice Center on Twitter at Consumer Choice C. On Telegram, we have a channel as well, and we are on Instagram and uh, all the other different social media platforms. So do follow us on uh, YouTube as well. Do subscribe to see all of our latest media hits. Uh, I thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you Thursday. You have to learn.